everybody, welcome to the Like David Project. Today we talked about idols and just putting things in your life that are in the place of God and what's dangerous, what's overboard, what's the perfect amount of extracurricular life that you can let in without it affecting your walk with God. So uh, we talked about an hour about, about it and uh, I think you all will enjoy what you have to hear. I hope uh, everybody had a good week and we look forward to, to getting together next week. We're looking, what we're going to talk about, well the scripture is dear, 1 John five twenty one New Living Translation. Dear children, keep away from anything that may, might take God's place in your hearts. The Greek version of the verse says, keep away from idols. An idol is something other than the living God that is worshipped. An idol can be worshipped because it is feared, because it is adored, or because it is considered a source of provision or protection. God is the only one who rightly occupies that the place of reverence, adoration, ultimate defender, and provider in the human heart. And anything that takes his place is an idol. I'm thinking about some of the things that can take God's place in my heart. If I took, if I look to my ability to earn as my source, then my job, career, or business can become an idol. If I adore a hobby or a toy to the extent that I give it energy, time, or resources that belong to God, it becomes an idol. I place, if I place a person or a human relationship in the shrine of my heart, then that person or relationship has taken God's place. If I live in a debilitating fear of sickness, loss, or death, these things have taken God's place in my heart. Paul said greed and materialism is a form of idolatry. Uh, Exodus 23, 25-26 says, Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you long, full lives. Side note, isn't it kind of, to reference Exodus, a book so old in the Bible as a way to live, is that a good thing? Is that okay? Yeah. All of scripture is profitable to us. Um, Isaiah 8, 13, do not fear. 3, 16, man, that's good. Do not fear anything except the Lord your God. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing, nothing else. So, that's it. But I want to talk about just uh, how that affects modern day or us right now. Uh, about how people today make things that are idols, what could be considered idol and what's not, what's, I mean, when I read this, I, it almost kind of sounds like you shouldn't have anything in your life but God, but there is, I mean, God wants you to have relationships and wants you to have success or it's, I mean, obviously it's not a sin to be working in a job and you need that job to provide <clears throat> and is it a sin to depend on that job to provide? That's the question. Is it a sin to depend on that job? Is it a sin to be a honey, trusting in your wife? Or are those considered idols? Well, <clears throat> why don't we start by defining idolatry? You know what I mean? It's like when we talk about uh, things on the air for our podcast, 
I think it's important that when we talk about a subject, <clears throat> we kind of define our terms. Well, right here it says the idol, what an idol is. Uh, an idol can be worshipped because it is feared, because it is adored, or because it's considered a source of provision or protection. So that's that's this yeah this blog, and this blog is just for anybody listening is Jim Stevens' blog from August twenty fourth. So, but the biblical definition of it was first first John five twenty four twenty nine, right. where it said that. Idolatry is anything that takes the place of God in our heart, right? Right. So let's look at idolatry, present day idolatry, from that perspective. Because, you know, our podcast is about being like David, who had a man after God's own heart. And so if our hearts are for God, then we want to make sure that there's nothing that's taking the place of God in our heart. And, of course, that's going to be reflected in how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend, you know, our energy. And we, I think it's an important uh, thing to talk about because we live in a society that just seems insatiated with the idea of entertainment. I must entertain myself at all costs, you know, and it's, no wonder uh, America is referred to by other nations and people groups sometimes as you know a nation of idolatry because we have such wealth here compared to uh, the rest of the world. And so because of that, I think living as a Christian in our society might even be a little harder because the temptation to be drawn away into things that would usurp the place of God in my life. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's yeah. what Jesus taught. And we we are rich, even in with the our economy stumbling and with our you know, with our savings <coughs> withdrawn and, you know, and our pensions gone and all of those things, uh, we are still rich in world standards and it is still hard for us. We still haven't lost all of our toys. Most of us haven't you know, haven't gotten to that stage. Yeah. And it's very easy to allow any or all of those things, those pursuits, yeah. those in, enjoyments, those pleasures to take the, yeah. the part of, of God in our life. I read some, something one where that the sign of wealth, not in America or European nations, uh, mostly uh, not in the West, but mostly in the East, in impoverished countries, uh, a sign of wealth is a good soup pot. Mm. The you know the sign of really having something <clears throat> because they eat these communal meals together and if you watch you know no reservations by Anthony Bourdain or you know some of the Travel Channel things you see that there really is a lot of community eating and people gathering together in community which is kind of a picture of Christianity but the ones who really have something are the ones that have a really nice big soup pot that they put something together. And when I look at that and re I look at the things that I have, the toys that I play with, the things that consume my time, and I think, oh my gosh, if I had a really nice soup pot, that would be, that would be great wealth in, in, in some other standards. And when, uh, what is it that, uh, from the conspiracy theory, Christmas conspiracy, remember it was like, oh, Advent conspiracy. Advent conspiracy. 
most people live on is it a dollar a week or a dollar a day oh yes I don't, Do you I remember, don't remember what, yeah. the number but, but it was like it was like not even in our scale of reference yeah yeah not even in our scale so when we have even the poorest of people in in the society that we live in since this is our podcast we're talking about where we live is it is it hard for us to not slip into idolatry because we're not really concerned about bowing down to Molech or, you know, the idols, uh, you know, of course we're Christians. We'd never do that. But do I spend time and money and energy on things that usurp the place of God in my life? Don't, don't you think if you were to analyze it, the more possessions, the more toys you have, the more your time is consumed in the operation or maintenance of those things. Yeah. Um, and, and it's almost this, an unconscious bowing down to idolatry because you have to do that. You know, you have to look after those things. You have to take care of them. You have to pay the bill for them or whatever yeah. the excuse is. We don't even consider that if, well, all we have to do is sell that thing or get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have that pressure on us yeah that's a that's an excellent point it's like uh, uh, there are people out there that are called minimalists and they're learning to live very frugally and minimalistic <clears throat> and I was uh, speaking just last week with a friend of mine who he's a very successful business owner uh, of a uh, well-known business here in town and uh I've known him for quite a few years and we meet for lunch once in a while and he's been telling me that one of the things that's been increasingly more uh, focused in his attention is the prices of food going up. And maybe two or three times ago we met he said, no, you watch, you just watch. The price of food is going up, especially the, the basic commodities, the basic staples, milk, bread, cheese, eggs, those things are going up. You just watch. And every once in a while, Elizabeth come back from the grocery store and said, "Oh my gosh, this this bag of cheese from Costco used to cost five bucks, and now they raised it to like sixteen dollars. You're gonna be on the cheese lockdown, buddy. You know, and it's, the prices of things are are going up, and and so we we start looking at what is it that we're spending our time on? What is it we're spending our uh, our, our money on these days?" And if we didn't have those things, so uh, so the story was he started telling me how they're trying to figure out how to pay off their house and live minimally so that they can live on a, a smaller amount of money because the economy is so bad it is, has affected his business in such a huge way he can no longer live that way. And I think that the downturn of the economy and the adjusting of the stock market and the adjusting of the housing market has given us a sober attention getting, uh, uh, I think God is getting the attention of a lot of people that to live simply, Mm -hmm. uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think there's something to that. So we don't have to, you know, like when we 
Uh, after I wrecked my leg, we sold my truck so that we only had one vehicle. Well, it makes it harder to get around because you've got one vehicle you've got to share. But I don't have insurance on that car. I don't have the taxes every year on that car. I don't have the gasoline and maintenance, you know, like what you're saying. So we can live minimally, minimalistically, but there's a price to pay for it. Yeah. Well, there's many people discovering that, and I think that Christians in general are leading the way in that. Oh, I hope they are. Yeah. Because, but at least in my experience, I know that they're willing to make sacrifices. They're willing to cut back. Yeah. And if you don't have the reassurance of God being your source and your provider and your protector, yeah. it's harder to maybe jettison some of yeah. those things. Now, is living minimally... Is that? Do you think that's the way God wants us to live minimally? Because I mean, just to kind of play devil's advocate, I've grown up in a church that says maximally, like or <laughs> maximize. You know, yeah. God wants big things, and you know, Abraham had the whole land, and you know, it's, yeah. there's there's another side of the story of does God want you to have less or more? And that's my question. Is it um, bad to if it's if if it's good to be minimal? Does that mean it's bad to be max? I don't. I don't, I don't maximal. Think, maximal. Yeah, I would change maximized. The, I would change the terms a little bit. It's neither good nor bad to be rich or poor. Right. In that sense, um, money is a tool, and you can use it wisely or you can use it badly. Here's what I think God wants us to how God would have us approach it. He He teaches us to be good stewards of what we've been given. And so in my mind, it's not a question of maximizing or minimizing, it's living within your means, is what God expects of us. And so if your means decrease, then your lifestyle has to decrease in response. And we're certainly not expected to go into debt to other people, we're certainly not expected to overstretch what we're capable of, but to learn to be content with whatever we're given. And I think that's what God asks of all of us. And because we in the church understand that, we, we, do, we are willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary. Since we're kind of on that topic, and because idolatry uh, kind of covers what we own, what we spend our time on, what we spend our energy on, since we're kind of on the phase of what we spend our money on, let's look at that for a second. What are the things we spend our money on? And when does it become idolatry? Like what Matt's saying, he's saying, uh, if we're living within our means, then it's not idolatry, right? Isn't that kind of what you're saying? But if we are living yeah. beyond our means, maybe there's a little bit of idolatry action going on because the need, the want, the perceived need, the want to have things and stuff beyond my ability to earn it Maybe that could be idolatry. Present day, yeah, idolatry. Yeah, I think you said that well. That that pursuit of those things is definitely a form of idolatry, and the pursuit of wealth being one of the things Jesus spoke very harshly against. You can't serve both God and wealth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if your if your goal is to obtain those things. And it's all about goals, isn't it? Or motives, shall we say. If that's your primary motive for why you spend your time or why you slave away at work to obtain those things, then that's, that's not a, a godly motive. Yeah. So if, we, if, we, if, if our goal is, 
I want to guard my heart against idolatry. A warning sign in my finances would be that I'm spending more than I'm bringing in. Or I'm overextending myself. Or I can't really afford to go on vacation or to buy this or that, and therefore I'm going to put it on a charge card, for example. Would that be idolatry? Getting what we want when we haven't earned it? I've never considered it before this moment, but I almost have to agree with you. Yeah. I think that's what you're, you're saying, too, that that is a form of idolatry. Because we're placing our own needs, our own wants, as more important than, yeah. than our circumstances or, or our, our trust in God. Because we kind of live societally with... There's, we have charge cards and we have credit and we leverage our houses so that we can have money to buy vacations and cars and flat screen TVs. And so, so we live in that society. And so it's almost like purported out there, well, why deny yourself? Just go ahead and get it. Put it on our, our charge card. And I think we learned the really hard way through the saving loan and the whole housing market and everything that's gone on with that. What a mistake that was. Right. Right. So, I don't know, not to sound stupid, but so does that mean it's bad to take loans? As long as you could, I mean, you still have to, by taking a mortgage out for a house, is that a bad thing to do? You don't know if you're going to have a job in 30 years. Not a lot of people can see 30 years in the future in their finances, Um, but we do that in faith. Does that mean it's negligent to buy a house that we can't see that far ahead in? I I don't think it is bad or wrong to buy a house and to get a mortgage for a house. I have talked with people who would disagree with me. They would say, I'd rather rent because I know that each month I can pay the rent payment and trust God rather than you know trusting the bank because the bank is the one who owns the house anyway but right. I think it's pretty much accepted that the only way you're going to buy a house these days yeah but then when you start going down you start ticking down it's like well then I also need a car payment because I have trans I have to have transportation I can't walk around like Jesus did and so I have to have transportation so therefore I must uh, go and get a loan for a car and then the divided li- dividing line widens a little bit more because there will be people who stack up on the side of, yes, we have to have transportation just like we have to have a place to live. So those are the two things that it's okay to go into debt for and to use line of credits and stuff to buy. But there will be others who would say, no, I'm only going to save up and pay cash for my car. A car is only transportation. It's not a status symbol to me. I'll drive clunkers and pieces of junk my whole life because it'll get if it'll get me from point A to point B then that's all I'm concerned about mm-hmm. and then you go one step further and then it's like all the other things uh, vacations and toys and media and technology and and all kinds of things you know I think every single one of those it's you have to make those decisions at the individual level I don't I don't think, you know, except for where the Bible speaks specifically to it, then you Mm -hmm. need to pray and seek the Lord and do what's right for you. 
I know what's right for me, and that's the way I'm living right now. And but I can't say that it's right for everybody. Yeah. And I also think that an element that goes into this is the whole idea of excess. There, there are a lot of things that are fine in moderation and really, really bad in excess. And, you know, maybe it's okay to go to a movie, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, some may say that's idolatry. If you go to a movie, that's idolatry. Because uh, rather than you, what you should do, rather than go to a movie, you should get your Bible out and you sit down and have family devotions with your wife. And if you don't, then you're then, then you're succumbing to idolatry by going out to a movie or whatever. I'm just using that as a hypothetical situation because I think there's some people who struggle with these ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's okay to go to a movie once in a while if that's what you want to do. But if like every single night. I have to go out to the movies, honey. I have to. That's when it might become idolatry. Yeah. And I'm just trying to submit ideas for people that are listening. Am I, am I succumbing to idolatry? Because nobody wants to struggle underneath that. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the right track, I, I think, um, in that it's all about being able to look at your own life and see where you might have crossed the boundary because there is nothing that should be you know uh, unlawful to us and yet we should be considering our own actions our own motives as as very important and we can't draw a line and say this I believe this is wrong therefore every single person should agree with me that obviously you you can't draw a hard and fast line but every single person is responsible to say am I is that more important to me than my family? Is that more important to me than my relationship with God? Yeah. Am I sacrificing something really yeah. important? And, but uh, with, the, with, the, with the reminder that God is the God of the Sabbath and He expects us to relax and He expects us to enjoy ourselves and, yeah. and to take pleasure in the things that, 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 that we enjoy. Yeah. It's part of our, you know, it's good for our soul to recharge yeah. ourselves and to have yeah. those, those things that, that are they're fun. Yeah. So, if we put this all under the broad scope, I said go to a movie, but what I really mean is entertainment of yeah. all, all kinds. You can, you know... There's a lot of things. You know, entertainment of all kinds. Let's just say, let's put them all together. Entertainment. A cup of coffee. Yeah, whatever it is. Whatever entertainment is. If it becomes excessive and it, and it takes the place of God, that's when it becomes idolatry, I think. Would you be willing to say that idolatry is synonymous with addiction? Not synonymous, but it can definitely be... Parallel, maybe. Parallel, yeah. Because, yeah. You know, I mean, it sounds like anything that you do in excess is an addiction of some sort. Compulsion, yeah. Mm-hmm. There can become a compulsion for entertainment, for example. Right. Where, oh my gosh, I just can't stop surfing the internet, or I can't stop... Posting to Facebook, all right? I can't stop following the Phoenix Suns or, you know, are, are consumed by sports or vacations. I mean, it can be anything. I almost hate to say anything because, you know, somebody might be listening and say, well, I do that all the time. I'm not, an, I, I, I'm not involved in idolatry. And it's just whatever takes the place of God in your heart. And there's the obvious that, like... 
drugs and booze and stuff like that. There's the obvious addictions that would take place of uh, God in your life, Jesus in your life. But then there's the not so obvious, the things that society has justified, like your 401k or your IRA savings account, putting money into that, or your stocks and where they're moving. Um, those are tend to be justified in society as super important things that mm-hmm. we need to put all our, our ducks in. This is a good thing to your, your 401k, which can be a good thing. You should have a 401k, yeah. but when it becomes an addiction... Or a or idol compulsion. For example, could I speak on that? Uh, Dave, Dave Ramsey, great class uh, on financial stewardship and about deferred gratification, about saving up and buying things. I love Dave Ramsey's teachings, and I qualify what I'm about to say with that because I I, I even try to follow you know his his outline of how to handle your finances. But a lot of what he says is about. Saving, building up your savings, building up your retirement. And he'll give a lot of examples of if you start now and do this, you could have $10 million when you retire. And it's a motivation. Oh, I could have $10 million by the time I retire. And it's a great motivation. But then you stop and think, do I need $10 million when I retire? And the flip side of it is, are you being a responsible steward by saving for the future? Or have you crossed the line into hoarding your wealth? When you could be doing something very profitable with some of that money here and now, and giving it to somebody that needs it, or supporting a you know a ministry or, or something. I mean, there's there's a, there is a line that you can cross even when you're doing something that's right and good yeah. and good for you yeah. and responsible. You cross the line into yeah. treasuring that savings account more yeah. than it's true than what you're you know you're involved in here and now. And just like entertainment, yeah. that line isn't clear always. Yeah. That no, line, it's not. that line never you never cross that line watching it. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. anything in life. That line Yes. It, it's it's You just realize yeah. sometime you realize you wake up and you realize that you've crossed the Oops, line. Oops, I crossed the line. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love that's the beauty part of serving God is that we need to be followers of Jesus Christ and his word, and we need to be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Right. Because he's always the one who will say, oops, you went over the line, or watch out, watch out you're getting close to the edge. Absolutely. Or, and if we're doing that, we never need to worry about being idolaters. Right. Never. Because he'll always keep us informed. Yeah. And if you make a mistake, he, you quickly repent, and you come back yeah. in line, you... you Go back over to the other side, and you and you repent, and you're done. You yeah. God forgets you, and you move forward. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, self awareness in those things, and being aware of the Holy Spirit is is critical. Yeah, yeah. Well, we kind of talked about finances. Another element, idolatrous element, is where we spend our time. We spend our time doing certain things. Right. Now, so let's talk about the idea of where we spend our time. We've talked about where we spend our money. Let's talk about where we spend our time. Yeah. Uh, I have a perfect example of my idolatry dilemma in my own life. Uh, being a musician, I love all things music. I love to listen to music and buy music. I love to listen to and play and buy musical instruments and gear of all kinds. 
because there's something that's so relaxing about it. And I can just imagine David playing the harp, singing songs of praise unto God in the same way that I play my ukulele, banjo, guitar, any, any of the instruments that I love so much. Well, I have to be very, very careful that I don't spend too much time doing that, those things, or too much money purchasing those and everything else that goes along with it. Like you were saying earlier, the maintaining of it. Yeah. If I have four ukuleles, then I need to buy four sets of strings. <laughs> and the idea is, well, I need to have some ukuleles around so that when my pals come over to my house, I can hand out ukuleles. Because after all, George Harrison, my musical idol, did the very same thing. Oh, I just said it, my musical idol. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> was that? Was the, uh, whoops. Freudian slip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, so it's like, but in actuality, has there been one time since I started fooling around with ukuleles that people came to my house and I handed uh, ukuleles out like bowls of chips? Well, there have been times when I brought ukuleles out because our families are there and I'm putting ukuleles in the hands of people. But uh, I, I'm just saying I have to be careful with it because also my time. It's like one thing that I've noticed with me, and I'm just being open and transparent here, where I realized God had to speak to me. God had to talk to me about the amount of time that I spend on Internet forums that relate to... Uh, playing banjo or playing ukulele. Uh, you know, there's a forum called Ukulele Underground that is just fun, filled with people talking about all kinds of m the minutia of playing the ukulele. Or the Banjo Hangout is my new favorite one that talks <laughs> about all kinds of things pertaining to, pertaining to the minutia of, of banjos. And just the amount of time I'm spending right now talking about it shows... Shows that maybe I've spent a little bit too much time there. And the Holy Spirit had to convict me that, well, how much time are you spending in my word or meditating and thinking about me compared to the time that you're spending thinking about your hobby of writing songs and playing with musical instruments and stuff? And I, I just recently, this is something I recently went through. And i got to say that since I've made adjustments, not that it's not, I mean, it's okay to have some musical instruments and to play them, but if I do it all day long, then it's too much. Or if it takes the place of studying the word, spending time with my wife, uh, serving at the church, or just any of the things that God has shown me I'm supposed to do in this season, yeah, just my, being season in my life, being responsible for the, the things, things that you're responsible for. Yeah. yeah, the God has showed me, these are the things I want you to do. And like we were saying earlier, a follower of Jesus Christ and obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, then it became an idolatrous thing to me, and I needed to make adjustments. And it's also important to remember, the longer you stay in that zone or over the line or doing spending too much time or spending too much money whatever it is the longer you stay over there the harder it is to come back to normal yeah or come back to where you should be I shouldn't say normal yeah um, yeah like the longer you try and cover up a lie the more painful it is 
to the people around you when you when it finally comes to light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because principle. the oh, the the what is it? The, the wicked web we weave when we set our minds to deceive. The idea that you tell one lie and then you need to tell another lie to cover that lie, and then you need, to, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're starting to weave this whole thing. And when it comes crashing down, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just easier just to come clean right away. Yeah. And idolatry is often a lie that we tell ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can do that. I can get away with that. Yeah. That'll be okay. I deserve it. That's another reason yeah. we get into idolatrous actions. I deserve to have that time. And suddenly yeah. that's all we end up doing. Yeah. yeah. And we start justifying it and yeah. not wanting to go through that painful time. Yeah. We turn, I need some me time into like a me lifestyle. Yeah, it's all me. That's <laughs> <sound> like <laughs> all me nerd. all the time. <laughs> I sound like a huge nerd, but if you think of movies like your, your, your heroes, there's always a time of, of, of where you take everything away and almost pain and work before they rise on top like Batman Begins where he goes away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or, you know, ninjas that go off and train and they come back and they have the skills. But in life, it's it's, it's so as well. Yeah. Uh, there is a time of, of solace or, or, you know, training per se uh, before you see the light or come out on top. Absolutely. And most... most um most idolatrous uses of our time, though, are not training us. They're more indulging us. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a difference. But, but I agree with you that... Are you saying that a little bit of time to yourself is sometimes beneficial? Because it That's is. A, it, yeah, it is. I, I would agree with that. But I'm, I'm more saying that in order to be on top, there is going to be pain. It requires... You know, I don't want to say pain is the right word. I don't... Training? I'm not sure. Just it, uh, suffering, maybe? Well, no one else is going to be able to discipline your life for you. You have yeah. to take responsibility right. to, to judiciously manage yeah. how much you work and how much you take off. And God laid out a pattern. We work for six days and we have one day off. Right. And that's kind of His standard. I mean, in my work week, I work five days, take one day to work around the house usually, and I get one day off if I'm lucky. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like being uncomfortable. Yeah. Just, or saving money. Depending on how many children you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the point. And what age they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because I don't want to say saving money is not painful or having a savings account isn't really suffering. <laughs> it, but it can be uncomfortable to yeah. have to... To discipline yourself. Discipline to do it. yourself to do it. Yeah. The, the like you said earlier the delayed gratification yeah. we, we do certain things disciplines of any kind for the future reward of it mm-hmm. and when it comes to idolatry or addictions as we said which could run parallel you've got the idea of the law of diminishing, re, diminishing returns you know where uh, with addiction it may start with something that's small and you allow yourself these little uh, indulgences. indulgences, yeah, exactly, and then it takes more to to satisfy that hunger, and it can be the same way with entertainment or some kind of an idolatry. You know, it's like how, it's like how I it's how I feel. You know, if I've watched a a whole season of the sports I like to watch, and it gets to the end of the season, the season's over, and it's like. 
oh, I just feel so empty, and, and, and what should I do now? Well, a lot of guys just, I'll start up the next sports thing, whatever. Yeah. Because sports seem to go, like, year-round, you know? Yeah, and football is an interesting yeah. uh, example of that. And that it's very, very common today that in, for a guy, Sunday is football day. Yeah. And at the expense of their family, at the expense of any other commitments they have, it becomes football day. Well, it, it, same thing. There's nothing wrong with football. Yeah. Jesus doesn't hate football. Yeah. But he might dislike you spending 12 hours a day watching football yeah. and ignoring everything else that you could be responsible yeah. for. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. even throwing out church there, although I could yeah. easily do that. But, the, you know, what about your family? Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we have to struggle with that. Maybe one football game would be enough for us. Yeah. And, yeah. and then... Spend some time, right? But, <laughs> yeah, easy, and all, easy the, now. all the guys are switching off the podcast at this moment. So like, you hear that sound? That's the sound of guys everywhere switching off the podcast, throwing their arms up in the air, yelling things. That those those three dudes are off, man. That's it. <laughs> Money, yeah. yeah, right. But that other sound you hear, that's the sound of women everywhere applauding. <laughs> You're going to listen to this. <laughs> Did you hear what Matt just said? Yeah. Uh, My own indulgence is every four years I am glued to the TV while the World Cup is on. <laughs> Like I even when I last office I worked in, I brought in my own TV and set it up in front of, with permission. <laughs> but I had the games running constantly. When is the next World Cup? Fourteen, two thousand fourteen, oh. in Brazil. I feel called to do a mission yeah, trip yeah, yeah. that week <laughs> to evangelize yeah. Brazil. Yeah, it's in Brazil. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But with all of those things. Idolatry of your time, I, I, you know, if in any way it relegates Jesus to just being a, you know, a thirty-minute add-on at the end of your week, yeah. or you know, an hour-long worship service, and yeah. then you've done your duty and you yeah. can go back to the rest of your life. If that ever crops into your thinking, yeah. just having to do your duty, just show up, and that's enough. Yeah. Then you've crossed the line into idolatry. You've made Jesus yeah. just another another task that you have to do. Yeah. But if you believe that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that He rules on, on heaven and He yeah. rules on earth, it, it changes your approach. None of those things are, are outlawed to you. Yeah. But everything has to be done in response to Jesus first. Jesus promptings, Jesus teachings. Yeah. What what does He think about the way that you're spending your time? Yeah. yeah. And if you've done you've done what's been asked then you are free to relax and enjoy yourself yeah and if you haven't i would get up and do whatever it was that you were supposed to do take care of what you're responsible for and then you know god instituted the sabbath he wants you to to relax but we also need to do what he says first yeah and keep everything in proportion and And, in perspective yeah and the perfect example which you keep talking about is god worked for six days, and then he rested. Yeah. So he took care of the responsibility first. He worked first. And since we're talking about men here for a second, since they've all switched <laughs> off and they're not around anyway, <laughs> women, you can use this to talk to your man about later. But the idea is part of the curse was that men were to work with their hands. And I have seen this forever in my own life and in the lives of other men 
that I've worked with is that if you're not working, a man needs to get up and work, needs to be spending time working with their hands or whatever it is that God's gifted them to do. They have to be spending time doing that working because if you don't work, you don't eat. But there's that concept of men sitting around being lazy. It's men will tend to laziness. Uh, and all the women would say, yeah, I agree. The men aren't listening anymore. But the idea is that we would tend to be lazy because we want to take, we'll take the lazy route on everything. We'll go the easy route on everything unless we train ourselves. No, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do yeah. this. But we have to make a conscious decision to do that. And we didn't need to know. That's part of human nature. That's part of the sin nature. That's part of the old man that God came to redeem. Yeah. You don't think you say something. But. Oh, I was. Uh, but it's also, I was going to say, it's also part of American culture. Yeah. That uh, it, yes, I agree with you, men can be lazy, but there's also a large section of our culture that works themselves to the bone. Yeah. And they do it to the expense of their families or their other responsibilities. And in our culture, sometimes the most you can expect is maybe two weeks off a year. Yeah. And you're working the other 50. Yeah. And that work week might take you 60, 70 hours. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so you're never around for anything. That's, that's a big investment. So work can become idolatrous. Yeah, laziness can be idolatry. It can be (laughs) indulging us over work. Yeah, overwork can definitely become idolatrous. I saw working nights at University of Phoenix. There's, we work 50, 60 hours a week, but it was in the middle of the night. And the first thing they told me when I showed up was don't expect any long term relationships. (laughs) Like, and that was truth. Everybody on, there's probably about a team of 20, 25, and I would say 70 to 80%. I, over the four years I did it, see go through divorce, separations, and things like that because you can't manage to, no matter what, with the best intentions, because no one would say they want to. <clears throat> nobody goes into a job saying, "Oh, it's going to cost me my family." Yeah, but, mm-hmm. but it was the type of job that required that, and it happened. It didn't happen to everybody, but some people worked through it. But and there was a lot of people that more so than would have home life problems would quit the job even if it meant going broke i saw a lot of guys quit the job because their wife told them to or what's one of those hard decisions they that they we, we might be you know. called to but right. some things are more important than the paycheck i agree definitely. some things are more yeah. important than um than doing bending to your 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 boss's every wish you know some things are more mm-hmm. important yeah. and I know the start I know in the economy right now people are expected to work just as hard if not longer for less money yeah or even work for free on, in some instances yeah. I know people yeah. are being asked to do that because I've talked to them yeah you know and and uh, you, you got to have balance uh, otherwise uh, more bricks less straw yeah it's the same thing the Pharaoh did yeah no, now I need you to make more bricks and we're even going to not give you as much straw to do it. It's the, that Pharaoh attitude is still out there, especially in this economy, because the, de- the other side of it is there's people lined up for your job. Yeah. If you, if you don't want this, fine, because there's people lined up who will take yeah, that who job. Who will do it. Yeah. 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 
So there's there's a key. Uh, Matt just mentioned the key for how do I know if I'm being idolatrous or if I'm uh, entering into idolatry. We ask ourselves what's most important here. And we wrestle through the question, what's more important? And then our actions and the way we spend our money and time and those kinds of things will follow what, what we've decided is the most important thing. And I would submit that uh, for married people that are listening to this, you need to have a discussion with your spouse and decide together what's the most important thing here. And you start making decisions on how you're, guys, how you're going to spend your time, how you're going to manage your time, how you're going to manage your money, all based on the priorities that you've set. Because mm-hmm. nobody's going to manage your health care like you manage your health care. Yeah. Nobody's going to manage your finances like you manage your finances. Nobody's going to manage your time like you manage your time. Yeah. I think that the, the church in general is correcting it, itself on some of these issues as well. I think that they maybe have allowed some of the, like, the prosperity teaching to creep in more than we would like, and it's beginning to adjust. We're coming back to family lives. I think young people these days, from my experience, they want their marriages to succeed. Mm. And they want to do what's right. And almost everybody I know that's under the age of 30 comes from a broken home these mm-hmm. days. And they don't want to repeat the same mistakes. Even to the extent that some people won't get married. They think it would be better just to live with someone. So that they don't then fail in their marriage. You know, they'd rather not cross that boundary. Mm-hmm. That maybe needs a little adjustment. But my yeah, point is, I think yeah. people are coming around to these ideas. I think that... Yeah. The, you know, the Spirit of God has been moving on people. We've been uncomfortable. We've seen that we can't trust in our economy. We can't trust yeah. in government policies. And that it was stirring 20, 30 years ago, and it's begun to, you know, take shape more and more. I think we're coming back to a more balanced approach, yeah. understanding these things better, and being willing to sacrifice some of that idolatry of materialism yeah. and the idolatry of the time that we, that we spend on things. Even the American dream can become idolatrous in that it's it's drive to work, work, work and succeed, succeed, succeed and you know, not everybody experiences that. Yeah. They work hard and they never get they never get the dream. They never receive it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you said I think there's some adjustments that are being made in our society, in the church, in America and what what did it take for us to make those adjustments? It took a good butt whipping, you know what I mean? It took a, it took a, <laughs> a shake up. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and I'm thinking about that verse where, where uh, the earth is shaking, let everything be shaken because that which will remain will be strong. And I think that there is something of God in that, that the shaking of the economy and the shaking of the housing market and the shaking of our wealth with our 401ks and, and all those kinds of things, or uh, maybe the family that experiences uh, hardship or relationship problems, sometimes those are to get our attention. And that's actually the mercy of God. Yeah. Getting our attention so that we will turn to him 
so that we'll seek his face, so that we'll call out to God and say, God, I, I don't want my family to go down the tubes. I don't want my relationship to go down the tubes. I, I, you know, I don't want to be homeless or whatever it is and calling out to God because God will always be there. He, he will always be there with the answers. Not that he's a genie God or the answer man, but because he loves us and because he cares about us. And that's why I doll, that's why uh, in the midst of talking about the love of God, John writes in, in the fifth chapter of the book of, the, of First John, he talks about idolatry and not allowing anything to take the place of God in our hearts. Yeah. Because he knows that all the issues of our life flow out of our heart, our selfishness, our pride, our deceit, our our you know all the all the good and the bad things they flow through our heart. And if we're guarding our heart, because it's the wellspring of life, and that's that's why the Bible says, above all things, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. As we do that, then God can make the adjustments for us to turn things around for us. And, that, and so he's saying, I don't want you to put anything higher than me, not for his benefit, but for our benefit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good point. It's a really good opportunity for the Christian church to lead by example. Because if we are going through a shakeup, mm -hmm. the Christian church, depending on God, to run their life and not money or anything else... Mm -hmm. um, is a great example for people that are broken and it goes back to the stuff that we've been talking about recently about just being available if if you're in a relationship that's successful or just not and not success like some might think success like we often typically look at success but peaceful success a godly success and if you're in a lifestyle that you know is successful with peace and God, people will see that. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it provides a good opportunity. Long story short, it provides a good opportunity for the church to be able to witness just in the way we live. Yeah. And especially when they see, John, they see us going through stuff. They see us suffering under the same economy. You know, the idea that, you know, as the tide goes in and out, all boats float up and down. You know, it's the idea of the, the economy is affecting all of us. And things happen to all of us, and catastrophic events, have, you know, the rain comes down and it waters everybody, everybody gets wet. Right. And, and the idea is, of course we're going to go through things so that people around us can see, wow, I remember, I remember when John went through that, or James went through that, or Matt went through that. I remember when they went through that. And so when they're going through it, they'll know who to reach out to. They'll be able to come and say, wow, how did you get through that? Yeah. How did you do that? Yeah. And we can be there with words of life. Yeah. We can, we can create the opportunity for them to have a power encounter with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Because that's really the only way we made it through it. Yeah. 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 And while everyone else reacts in fear and, and dismay at everything that's going on, we should have the courage to remain firm and, and to take all things in stride and know that God is for us and God is with us every step of the way. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter to us what our bank account looks like. Um, it shouldn't matter to us what the economy looks like. Mm -hmm. We still have the same courage to, yeah. to work hard, to do what we're responsible for, and to be obedient yeah. to God. 
and know that he's he's gonna yeah be with us yeah. every step of the way yeah um yeah i have a a quote from aw tozer that i really like and he was speaking on this subject i don't know a hundred years ago when people <laughs> before all of this was happening and and before the shake-up and and uh Although many people in the past hundred years have gone through some pretty hard things as well. We're just but anyways, he he was speaking, a very prophetic man, full of the Holy Spirit and great insight. And he I like this. I just wanted to, to share it on this subject of, of idolatry and how the church needs to lead the charge in this readjustment. He said, Christ calls men to carry a cross. We call them to have fun in his name. He calls them to forsake the world. We assure them that if they accept Jesus, the world is their oyster. Mm. He calls them to suffer. We call them to enjoy all the bourgeois comforts modern civilization affords. Mm. He calls them to self-abnegation and death. We call them to spread out like green bay trees and perchance even to become stars in a pitiful fifth-rate religious zodiac. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's It's so beautiful, but it hits... Fifth rate religious zodiac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hits the nail on the head. Yeah. That. Why are yeah. we surprised if yeah. we are have to go through hard things? Why yeah. are we surprised if we don't get all of the comforts? Yeah. It was never part of God's yeah. plan yeah. that we would get everything we could think or ask for yeah. on our own. Yeah. Or that we deserve yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff happens to even, even I mean, bad stuff happens to good people. They yeah. don't deserve it. Yeah. In society's eyes, the people that do have that, the rich and the famous with the excess, there are a lot. Of, they have their own problems. They have their set, you know, their own set of mm-hmm. problems. Yeah. And history goes to show that it's just that that our answer isn't the right answer ever. Yeah. Or yeah. success isn't always money. And that's like the golden rule that's been taught over and over again that even if you win the lottery, I mean, you look back at lotto winners and there's all kinds of problems. Or you look back at the rich and famous and there's tons of problems and same problems that we have, depression and whatnot. And uh, <clears throat> so once you eliminate that, maybe that's not the answer. Money is not the answer. Then you start really looking at who you are and what God is in your life. Yeah.
Your presence is life to me. Your presence is life to me. 